What's up, TLR? Y'all feeling good? How you doing? Good, good. That was awesome. Getting to worship back there, worshiping with all of you is one of my favorite things that we do here at TLR. My name is Allie, um, and I am actually a small group leader. So I'm usually here. I'm just usually facing your direction instead of this direction, but I'm really excited to be here. I want to give a shout out to my small group girls. There you are, third row. Hey guys, you look great. We're usually back there, so I'm proud of you for moving up a little bit. Um, Well, my name is Allie, like I said, and we are in a series where they're inviting their extended family to come and talk to you guys about what we've learned, what we wish we knew in college. And so I'm super excited, but I wanna get to know you guys a little bit. I want you to get to know me. So I'm about to ask you my favorite question and I'm gonna give you 20 seconds to talk to each other and then I wanna hear about it. My girls just giggled because they know what it is. Um, If you lived in a world and it was just full of clones of you and that's it, what would the world be like? What businesses would be booming? What restaurants would be like so in business? Would you live together like because you're extroverted or would you like live in separate cabins on all the different continents? Talk to each other for 20 seconds. Ready, go. Okay, okay, okay. Bring it back. I want to hear about it. What restaurants would be very much open in your world? Chick-fil-A. And we all said it together, Chick-fil-A. That's right. Um, Stores, businesses, what would be open? Nike. Nike, great. Target, naturally, great. Uh, Would you live all together in like, no? Everyone's like, no, I do not want to live with myself. My world, I've actually, I titled it because I think about this question a lot. It would be called the Alley Valley. And we would all live together in a valley because I'm extremely extroverted. And we would listen to Taylor Swift all day. And that's pretty much my entire world that I would love. Um, A couple other things about me. You just learned a lot about me in that one little thing. Uh, A couple other things. Um, I actually got married in March of 2020. (laughs) Whoa. And if you know anything about March of 2020, uh, you know that that is a really interesting time to get married. So Clay and I, we invited 500 people originally. We uninvited all of them. Maybe some of you were uninvited, sorry. And um, we ended up getting married 35 people at my parents' house. It was wonderful. It was the best day ever, and now I get to be married to my very best friend, and it's delightful and great. Um, But one thing about us is we love playing board games. We actually had a whole wedding shower that was just designed for people to bring us board games. We were like, we don't want plates or pillowcases, we want Battleship. We love Battleship. Uh, We'll be playing and I'll get up to like go get something and he'll body slam the whole thing because he thinks I'm gonna look where his ships are and I would never do that, Uh, but I would and I do, sorry. Um, But tonight I actually wanna talk to you guys about a different game a game that we've all played, a game that's not quite as fun, is Battleship, and that is this game right here, the comparison game. You know it, you've played it, but let's talk about it a little bit. The objective of the game, 
The objective of the game, there it is, is discover how you are doing in life. To figure out, am I doing okay? Am I doing bad? Here's how to play. Player must measure themselves against the people around them using unrealistic expectations, social media, and trying so hard that they eventually burn out. This is a fun game, right? Uh, here, let's keep, let's keep going. Um, Rules, player must compare their worst days to other opponents' best days, obviously. Completely lose sight of all the good things they possess. And my favorite, lose at least two nights of sleep over a made-up conversation in their head that other people are having about them. Some of you are really good at this game, okay? Let's keep going. There's more. There's more. Bonus points. Plus three points if the person a player compares themselves to the most is in their own family. Oop, points. Plus three points every time a player says something mean about someone on the internet as a result of comparison. Some of you have a lot of extra points and it's not okay. Here we go. How to win. A player will be declared the winner of the game of comparison when they reach total dissatisfaction in their life or lose grip of all contentment. This is fun. This is a fun game, right? So great. All that is true. All that is how the comparison game goes. And you guys know this because the comparison game is ingrained in us. We do this without even realizing it. And I first discovered the comparison game when I went to middle school. So I was homeschooled all of elementary school and they threw me into the sixth grade um, in real school. And I didn't know what quizzes were because mom didn't like teach me that and I only knew everything that my mom taught me. And so the first day I had history class, they gave us a quiz and it wasn't like a hard quiz. I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't know that you had to like actually answer all the questions. I thought it was just to do what you want. And I got a 10. That's the whole thing that I got, thanks for that woo. Uh, and this wasn't hard. Other people didn't like get 10. So someone was like, I got a 90. And someone was like, I got a 92. And I was like, I got a 10. And they were like, that's really bad. Like you are not measuring up. And I realized, okay, I'm comparing myself to these people. I'm comparing my grades. And then we go to high school and we all remember high school, right? And we compare how we look. We compare the sports we play, how athletic we are, the friends we have, where we're going to college, what our families are like. We compare all these things. And then you go to college and it's like the expansion pack of the game. And, and you go in and we all know that one person who's like, I'm gonna be a doctor. And then they become a doctor and you're like, I have changed my major seven times. So I don't quite understand you. And we also all know that girl who's like, I will be engaged by the time I graduate. And then they get engaged by the time they graduate and you're like, I literally can't get someone to even text me back. Samer's message on dating was like honestly not that helpful. Just kidding, it was, that was a joke, Samer. Uh, it was great, but, but you're like, how, how do you do that? You're better than me, I'm not doing so great. And we play this comparison game, and I hate to break it to you guys, a little sneak peek. Uh, you get into adulthood, and it does not stop. You compare the careers you have, who's getting married, when you're having kids, if your kid is ugly or not, because when they're born first, they're not that cute. They kind of look like aliens, and I'm sorry, uh, but that's just, I'm sorry, they do. And you compare all these things, and it's hard, and we all do it. We all play this game, and what I know about this game is this, that everyone plays and everyone loses. 
Everyone plays this game and everyone, know, and everyone loses. And I know this because when you play this game, one of two things can happen. And the first is this, you can evaluate everyone and become envious. You can, you can compare yourself to the people around you, your grades, where you're going in life, your friends, your relationships. And when you come out on the bottom, you can become envious. And what I know to be true is when you're envious, you don't always make the best life decisions, right? When you're envious, when you're feeling insecure, um, you reach for whatever it takes to make you feel just a little bit better. I know when I was in high school and when I was in college, I would reach to any type of relationship, any type of attention, just to make me feel a little bit better about myself. And maybe that's what it is for you, or maybe you reach to partying, maybe you reach to drinking, maybe you reach to things that you know are not good for you, but because you're feeling envious, because you're feeling insecure, you reach to things to just try and make yourself feel a little bit better. And also, when you're envious of others, you lose all sight of the good things that you do have. You look at yourself and you think, man, I'm not measuring up, and you don't see all the gifts that you have, all the good things going for you. You don't see that because you're too busy being envious of someone else. And then, if you consider yourself a Jesus follower, your trust in God is seriously lacking when you're envious. I don't believe that you can be fully envious of someone while also completely trusting God with your future. Because when you're envious, it's like you're saying, hey God, you messed up. I'm not this, this, and this, and I wanna be this, this, and this, and I think you messed up and you're not fully trusting God with your future. So the first thing is you can get envious, but the second thing that could potentially happen is you shut others down and become superior. You know this, you're like, hey, you know, I'm not great at this, but at least I'm not that person, right? Or, hey, I made these mistakes, I made these decisions, but hey, at least, at least I don't do what they're doing. You shut people down, make people smaller, just so you can feel a little bit superior. I did this seven days ago. I was on my way to TLR, and I locked my keys in my car. Has anyone ever done that? It's maybe the, thank you for being honest right there, sir. It's a horrible feeling, because when you lock your keys in your car, you're like, this is me. There's no one to blame. I see them through the window, and this is my fault, and it's a horrible feeling. So I called my co-leader, and I was like, Ashley, I don't know if I'm going to make it to TLR. I locked my keys in my car, and she was like, oh, I did that once one time. I did that three times in a week, and I felt so much better that she said that because I'm like, well, at least I'm not as forgetful as Ashley. I'm sorry, Ashley. I'm taking this time to apologize to you personally for doing this to you. I'm sorry. You're beautiful, okay? This is what happens You either become envious or you become superior because there's no win. Everyone plays and everyone loses. And what's interesting about this game, what's interesting about this problem is this is not just a Christian problem. Sometimes we come to TLR and the people on stage talk about things that really only apply to Christians, but this is an everybody problem. In fact, when I was preparing for this, I went on the good old Google and I typed in, how to not compare myself to people. And so many 
cultural, helpful articles came up, like so many, that had nothing to do with God, nothing to do with church, nothing to do with Jesus. And so I brought a couple to show you what the internet says because, you know, research. The first, Forbes.com, I documented my sources, no plagiarism, haha, to my 10th grade English teacher. Document your achievements. Forbes is saying, hey, when you feel bad about yourself, just write everything good down and like read through it and remind yourself of the good things. And that's, you know, that's fine. The next one, shift the focus back to you, drivethrough.com. I don't know what that website is, but I found it. Uh, it's saying, hey, 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 when you're looking at people around you, stop. Just look at yourself. Just focus on yourself. And my favorite, be your own best friend, Psychology Today. When I went to Psychology Today, I thought it was going to be like neurological pathway like information. And it's like, no, be your own buddy. Hi. And that's sweet. But I don't really know. Okay, that's fine. Um, and when I looked through all this research and all these things um, that the internet said and that culture was saying, I realized something kind of important and something that I'm really passionate about is when people who are Jesus followers, we have the hope of the world, we have confidence in our eternity, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, leading us and guiding us, and yet we fall back into the temptation to just like be your own best friend and to shift the focus back to you. We have the light of the world guiding us and we're like, I don't know, maybe I'll just like work on myself. When the reality is, we as Jesus followers have so much more than just good advice. So what I wanna do for the next few minutes is I wanna look in scripture to see what scripture has to say and how that can help us. So for those of you who don't know, the Bible is just a big collection of different documents. Okay, there's historical documents, there's poetry, there's letters. And so we're gonna be looking in a letter today called Hebrews. Um, and maybe if you've been coming before, you're like, oh, is the author's name Hebrews? And no, but good Try. It's not like Peter or John or any of those. It's just to the Hebrews, okay? And the, the person writing to these people are writing to a group of people who are under pretty intense persecution. They're going through some really, really hard stuff. And this is what the author says. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's a lot. And I'm gonna kind of break it down for you. But what I wanna do is actually start at the end. I wanna start right here because when it comes to comparison, I wanna start the conversation with this. I wanna start the conversation with Jesus. Because when we are constantly looking to people to see how we're doing, when we're constantly looking at ourselves to see what's going on, honestly, a lot of that is a worth problem. We're searching to, for people to make us feel better. We're, we're trying to measure up so we feel good about ourselves. We're trying to find our value, find our worth, find our enoughness by being better than the people around us. And here the author is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you not remember what Jesus did for you? 
Do you not remember that at one time you were separated from God, but God looked at you and loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Guys, your value does not come from how you measure up to the people around you. Your value comes from the fact that Jesus went to the cross for you. Your value does not come because you're better than this person or you're smarter than this person or you're going better places than this person. Your value comes from the fact that God looked at you and he loved you. Not because of what you did, not because of what you're going to do, but because he just does. And he loved you so much. He looked at you and thought that you were so worth it that he sent his son to die for you. So at the beginning of this conversation, if you realize that you struggle with your comparison, I want you to realize, hey, I don't have to find my worth from them. I don't have to find my value by striving and being better. You can find your value right here. Because comparison says, to fix your eyes on the people around you. And culture says to fix your eyes on yourself, but scripture says to fix your eyes on Jesus because he and what he did for you shows that you have value. And for some of you, that's all the reminder you need tonight. That hey, you're right, Allie. The reason I struggle, the reason I do this, the reason that I play this game is because when I look in the mirror, I don't like it. Maybe it's because of something that's been done to you or maybe it's something that you've done, but for some reason, you need this reminder that Jesus died for you because God already loved you. But before he says all this, The author actually talks a little more. We're moving from the bottom up because I have the microphone and I can do that. Um, He says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. I love this scripture because it sets up a scene, right? It sets up different tracks. This person has a track, I have a track, you have a track, your dad has a track, your mom has a track, everybody has a track and you have a specific race that God has planned for you to run, just you, no one else, okay? And you can look to the left and maybe someone's running faster than you. You can look to the right and someone's running slower than you, lagging behind. Maybe this race like looks a lot easier than yours or maybe this one has like a loop-de-doop and you're like, that looks fun. Why doesn't mine look like that? But here it is, your race, God has set before you and the author says to run with perseverance, meaning don't give up, don't get distracted, don't compare your journey to other people's, don't compare yourself to other people, but run with endurance the race that God has for you. Because God has created you exactly how you are to run the race that he has made for you. You are perfect for the life that God wants you to live. Second Peter says that he has given you everything you need to live the life that he calls you. God has given you everything. God has made you exactly how you are to run the race that he has for you. And so when you're tempted to compare, when you're looking to the left, when you're looking to the right, when, when you wanna be more like that, when you feel like God maybe messed up here, you can say, hey, no, no, no. I know that God made me exactly how I am for the plans 
in the purposes, in the promises that he has for me. Now, I do have a question for you, and I need you to have a little crowd participation. Have you ever found, you found yourself in this situation? You're on campus, and for whatever reason, you are running with a backpack on. Anybody been there? You have? I won't. You have. Sorry, you did that. It feels illegal to me, honestly. Like, in college, if I was running late, I was like, I guess I'm not going to class ever again because I will not run with a backpack on. So you're like, that was a weird turn, Allie. What are you talking about? Here, before the whole race thing, so can you imagine, I, I don't really like to run just in general, but I cannot imagine running a race with a heavy backpack on, right? I will not run with a backpack on, and I certainly won't run a race, but I definitely won't run a race with a backpack on. That will never happen. And right here, the author is continuing to paint this picture, and he's like, it's like you have a backpack on, and he's saying to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so that you can run your race most effectively. The race that God has for you, there's some things that are trying to weigh you down, and I think it's really interesting because it says throw off um, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So we're here and we're like, okay, yeah, we probably shouldn't do the sinful things. We come to TLR and it's like, we should throw off the pride. We should throw off the sexual immorality. We should throw off the greed. All the like obvious things that we should throw off that would keep us from running our race most effectively. But there's an and right there. So throw off everything and the sin. So there's this other thing that the author is talking about saying, hey, yeah, sin is holding you back, but there's other things in your life that aren't like inherently sinful that could be keeping you from running your race most effectively. Maybe that's a relationship. Maybe that's a habit. But what I do know is that that is your need to compare. When you're comparing, it's not technically a sin, but it is slowing you down. And the author says, Throw that off. Get rid of it because you have a purpose. God has a plan for you and you need to throw it off so that you can fix your eyes on Jesus and run the race that he has for you. Which is, which is crazy to me. And what's also interesting about this whole comparison conversation is yes, there's a worth aspect tied to it. Yes, there's a knowing that God created you exactly how you are for the race that he has for you aspect to it but there's also just a really personal aspect to it. If I could sit down with you and talk to you and ask about your family and ask about your life, we could probably start to unpack, oh, these are the things you struggle with, these are the people you compare yourself to, here it is, but I can't do that. So what I wanna do is I wanna ask you three questions. I wanna ask you three questions, I want you to write them down, you can put them on your phone, you can check the Brave score while you're putting them on your phone and I won't even know, so go ahead, you can do that. Um, but what I want this to help you to do is to help you process like, hey, what am I doing, where am I doing this and how can I begin to take steps away from fixing my eyes on the people around me and toward fixing your eyes on Jesus? So the first question, is this, how are you spending your time, okay? I know for me, when I wake up in the morning and immediately grab my phone and start scrolling, that day I'm gonna compare myself more. I'm not gonna be in the right mindset. Maybe for you, it's you spend time with people who make you feel mediocre. Maybe you spend time with people who make you feel bad about yourself and therefore push you 
to compare. So, so how are you spending your time? Are you spending your time in God's word, letting the truth of who you are and the truth of who God is wash over you? What are you doing when you're in the car? Are you just jamming to stuff that, that, that fills your head with lies? Or are you, are you worshiping? What? How are you spending your time? Who are you spending your time with? How can you take steps to maybe use your time to step away from comparison and toward Jesus. The second one is this. What is motivating you? This one's hard because you gotta like dig deep for this, okay? What is motivating you? When you wake up in the morning, are you like, yes, I'm gonna get the best grades so that I can beat that one person and I'll finally be better and I'll finally have self-worth? Or are you, are you in tune with how God is leading you? Are you in tune with the purpose that he has for you? Are you in tune with what he tells you to do, to love people, to obey him, to serve, to follow after him? What is your motivation? Honestly, guys, being up on this stage, this is always a question for me. Because there are people out there, there's girls like Sadie Robertson and Maddie Pruitt who are doing this and doing it really well. And if my motivation was to get up here and to try and strive and say funny jokes and try not to be awkward so that maybe, just maybe, I'll almost be as good as them, then this is a complete waste of all of our time. But if my motivation is to be up here and say, hey, no, I know God has a plan and a purpose for you. I know that you have so much value and so much worth, and I just wanna take the little that I know and give it to you. That is a lot better use of our time. So what's motivating you? Maybe for you, you have a sibling and your parents are always comparing you to their sibling, like why can't you be like your older brother? And all you do is strive and try and try to live up to those expectations. Maybe you have a roommate that you just, every time that roommate is in the room, you just wanna be better. You, you're one-upping people, you're trying to get attention and it just doesn't work. What is motivating you? And then the last question, before we put it up on the screen, Buckle up, this one hurts. Here we go. Who do you secretly wish will fail? Who in your life that you know if they fail, you're gonna look so good? Who are people always comparing you to and you're like, if they would just fail, if they would just fall, if they would just stumble, this would be awesome for me. Who is that one person? And the problem is, with this person, it's usually the people who are the closest to us that we want to fail the most. I love Taylor Swift. I've already mentioned her once and I can't really talk for longer than 20 minutes without bringing her up. And I don't want her to fail. I'm not close with her. Sometimes I pretend that I am, but I'm really not. And if she failed, I would be sad. But it's, it's, it's the coworkers, it's the family members, it's the close friends that I'm so tempted to want to fail because if they fail, I look better. If they fail, I feel better. If they fail, things are going better for me. So who is it for you? And I wanna challenge you to start specifically celebrating that person to specifically lift them up even when it doesn't make you feel awesome or make you look awesome. Who is it? You might need to have a conversation. You might need to apologize. Who is that person in your life that you secretly wish will fail? Because I know that's the person 
that you're comparing yourself to. That's the person who's constantly making you question whether you're enough. And so for the next few minutes, we're gonna close with a song. I want you to think about this because this, the comparison game is a virus. This gets in us, ruins our relationships, ruins our relationships with God, and God does not want that for you. When God looks at you, he sees a son, he sees a daughter, and he wants you to be free from this game. And so we're gonna sing, and you guys, I want you to just surrender some stuff. I want you to ask God how to push you toward fixing your eyes on him. What does that look like for you? Push you towards reconciliation with someone that maybe comparison has ruined your relationship with. I want you to take a step tonight because this is something we all play and every single one of us loses. I'm gonna pray, dear heavenly father, Thank you that you sent your son to show us that you love us. Thank you that you don't leave us alone to struggle in this game. God, thank you for community. Thank you for people who lift us up. I pray for every single person in this room, God, that they will take a step towards you tonight, whatever that looks like whether that's stepping away from people who make them feel awful, whether that's stepping away from some habits that drag them into comparison, whatever it is, God, I pray that you place it on their hearts and that they'll be able to say yes to you. We love you, God. We trust you. And please help the braves to bring home a win. In Jesus' name, amen.